Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And daughter, do death. Good evening, Phoebe. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Well, I am well, yes, although my COVID app is telling me that I have to isolate, which is a real pain, just for a few days. It's yes, taken um, a week, pretty much, for uh, the ping to come through. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Um, I got. It came up for me today that I got pinged on Saturday, apparently. So we're all in isolation. Mm. <laughs> yeah, apparently I was. I had an encounter on Sunday, but it, today's Friday and I've only just got the message. Yeah, my encounter so. was Saturday and I just found out. So, and... Uh, Toby's nursery shut because there's been uh, a member of staff test positive there. Oh, the whole nursery so shut. The whole nursery shut for today, oh, and wow. then then the two bubbles are shutting next week. So um, one of the bubbles can open, but the other two can't. So that's all shut for the yeah. whole of next week. And yeah, we're in isolation till a week on Saturday at midnight. So oh. yeah, such a shame. And I know you had a few plans and things. And, yeah, uh, we're supposed to be going camping the... this weekend. But to be honest, I don't know yeah. how well. I'm a bit sad, but also at least I get to sleep in my own bed. So, were yeah. you going to take Duke with you? Yeah, we were. Wow. Yep. Going to attempt camping with a toddler and a and a puppy, essentially. So <laughs> maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Perhaps someone's trying to tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't take them both camping. <laughs> Never and uh, talking of Duke, he. Uh, jumped up at me earlier and like knocked my jaw which made me bite both sides of my tongue um, so my tongue feels like it's about four times its normal size oh dear. Um, so yeah. if I sound a bit weird that's why because I've got this like huge tongue tonight <laughs> oh dear all right it's been a bit of a day so tonight I'm going to be telling you about the Dupont de Ligonnès family. Okay. I don't know if you know this, it's it's a, quite a high profile case, actually. The more I've looked into it, there's quite a lot out there about it. Um, and I, I right. think it had kind of come into my psyche a bit. I kind of sort of knew about it, but not fully. But it's wild. So Ooh. I think you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there's quite a lot of French words and French names, and I'm going to try my best with my um, rudimentary French. But um, if I get anything wrong, it's because it's a lot of French things. So, uh, Xavier Pierre Marie Dupont de Ligonnès was born on the 9th of January 1961 in Versailles. He was the son of Count Bernard Hubert Dupont de Ligonnès. Uh, he was an engineer, and uh, Genevieve Therese Maitre. So the Dupont de Ligonnès family was one of France's oldest aristocratic families. Um, they were originally from Annonay in the Vivarais region, which is in the southeast of France. Um, okay. And in 1754, Louis XV named a Dupont de Ligonnès a marquis, and the line went from there. So this counthood essentially had been passed down um, between them and Xavier Pierre, just Xavier was um was set to inherit on his father's death okay. um so actually the family whilst they had this very grand title they didn't really have any wealth from this and when Bernard died Xavier's father in 2011 he was living in a rented flat and in actually near poverty so um they had the title but not really <laughs> any money to go with mm-hmm. it okay Xavier was raised in a really strict upper class catholic society and in the 
1970, Hubert or Hubert moved to Africa, leaving Xavier to be raised by his mother. And she was incredibly religious and actually founded a religious sect um, which believed that the Pope was an imposter <laughs> and that the Catholic Church had been overtaken by the Jews. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, she claimed that she received messages from the beyond and she believed that there was going to be a second French Revolution and apocalypse at some point in the near future. So quite culty, I would say, in her um, yeah. views. So yep, in the late yep. 1970s, Xavier met Anye Hodanga, who was born on the 9th of November 1962. Um, and she was born just outside Paris and they fell instantly in love. However, Xavier was clean to explore the world and travel. So he left her behind in Versailles after this love affair and they split up. But when Xavier returned in the early 1990s, him and Agne rekindled their relationship. However, while Xavier had been away, um, Agne had had a son, Arthur, or Arthur, uh, with another man. This didn't deter Xavier, though. And when they were married in 1992, he adopted Arthur as his own. Um, okay. As well as, as Arthur, they went on to have three more children together, uh, Thomas, Anne and Benoit. They were all academic children very clever. Um, Anne and Benoit went to a special private school um, and Thomas and Arthur were both at university. Um, and I have to say at this point that Arthur is beautiful, like stunning. I'll share some pictures of him. <laughs> He's like tall, dark, very French looking. He's a very beautiful young man. He's 20 in the photos that we have of him. So I was say, man. so he must have been born, what, in the 80s? He's born the same year as me. He was born 1990. Oh, Arthur was born yeah. in Arthur's 1990. Arthur was born in 1990, yeah. So he was okay. only two when Xavier um, adopted him. Okay. So the family moved at some point to Nantes in the north midwest coast region of France, um, not far from the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, and they lived uh, at 55 Boulevard Robert Schumann. Um, or Robert Schumann, because he's German, <laughs> in a <laughs> modest townhouse in the suburbs. Um, and they were quite a religious Catholic family. Um, they went to mass quite regularly. They were, you know, really involved in the church. What Xavier did for a job was really quite vague. Um, he's generally considered to have been a salesman, and he kind of right. created all these businesses, which sort of catered to traveling salespeople and restaurant guests. But it's all a bit weird. <laughs> um, so he created one business that was based in Pornic. Pornic? I don't know. P-O-R-N-I-C. I'm assuming it's in France. Which is called Cellref. And it was very secretive. So um, in their 2006 accounts, which were accessible, um, yeah. they showed like the bare minimum information. Um, and the last data from them kind of with only information was was filed in 2004. Um, and he hired six people in 2003 and released them all shortly afterwards. So there's something weird going on, but yeah. people can never really kind of figure out what it was. But Agnes was a teaching assistant at the Blanche de Castile Catholic School in Nantes, um, where she taught a lot of catechisms and things like that. Okay. On Wednesday, the 13th of April, 2011, the neighbours of the Dupont de Ligonnès family contacted the police as they'd not seen the family for several days. The shutters hadn't been opened on their house, which was really unusual because apparently they were always open, they were always left open, even when they went on holiday. 
Um, and right. one of their two cars hadn't moved at all. Police went to search the house and there didn't really seem to be anything out of sorts. Um, some personal things had been taken. Some of the beds had been stripped. Um, some photos had been taken out of frames, but it just looked like the family had moved out okay. at short notice and just not told anybody. Um, and the police weren't immediately concerned because they just thought they've just moved out. Mm-hmm. So around the same time, um, well, a couple of days actually before um, the neighbours kind of contacted the police, the, some members of um, Xavier and Agnes's family received a letter purportedly from Xavier that was frankly bizarre. <laughs> Um, It's a really long letter. I won't read the whole letter to you, but I'll read some bits of it. It covers four pages of A4 paper. (laughs) Um, And it was, it kind of rambles a bit and goes all over the place. Um, And obviously it was in French, but it kind of translates as the following. Hi, everyone. Huge surprise. We have to leave urgently for the US due to a very particular set of circumstances that we will explain below. You're receiving this letter by conventional post, because for the next few years, we can't communicate any other way. No emails, no texts, no phone calls, for safety reasons. When you read this letter, we will no longer be in France and we won't be able to return for an as yet undetermined period of time, a few years. Weird. You must Mm -hmm. be wondering what's going on. (laughs) Here's the story, at least as much as we're allowed to tell you. This letter is the only correspondence we were allowed to write, which might be good news for some of you, and it has been checked before being sent to you. When we started our company in Miami in 2003, we were put into contact through the person who helped us to start the company with the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, a sort of American drug squad with agents on the ground in several countries who were looking for a French national to infiltrate the French nightclub scene to obtain information about drug trafficking and money laundering networks without drawing attention to themselves. Wow. I found myself in a different city every evening with a legitimate reason to make contact with nightclub bosses. So I was the ideal candidate. So once I was tested and briefed, I accepted my mission of working incognito for the DEA under the condition that I maintain secrecy, which includes even more importantly, the children. So that's the real reason why we returned to France instead of settling in Miami and not due to vaccinations that are supposedly dangerous for the children, Those who have never swallowed this bogus reason can rest assured they were right, lol. (laughs) This has allowed us to build... Is that what it said? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's how it's translated from French. (laughs) LOL, yeah. LOL, yeah. This has allowed us to build up our official business activity. The RDC and the CELREF established especially to remember to develop loisirvisite.com alongside RDC so that nightclubs can feature in it and to have an unofficial monthly income since this official activity did not bring in enough money to cover expenses. Everything has gone according to plan in the nightclubs for the last seven years until now. With the information that I have collected in this time, Xavier, I have mm-hmm. become a key witness in an upcoming trial involving major international drug trafficking kingpins. The trial will have to take place in the US in the next few years. The date has not yet been determined. What complicates matters is that certain tips had recently led us to believe that my cover may have been blown. And unfortunately, we received confirmation of this yesterday. Therefore, the situation has now become potentially dangerous for us here and has required us to take emergency measures. I won't read the rest of it, but it basically okay. goes into detail that they're being taken into protective custody of the US government and they're being transferred to the US and they'll have new identities and that by the right. time the family got the letter, they'd no longer exist as French citizens. 
Um, and then he gives like bits of instructions to different people. Like I've left this many in your account to do this and I've left you this many to do this and you're going to get this sort of thing. Um, as well as encouraging them to share the rumor that they've run away to Australia or they've had to relocate really quickly to Australia for his work. Okay. Was this, was this typed or handwritten? Do you know? It was typed with a handwritten right. date on it. Oh, so. Okay. The families thought that this letter was obviously weird. Um, and and yeah. yes, his family especially thought that it was either forged or untrue. And police never actually fully discovered who this letter was from. But people who knew Xavier said that it sounded like it had been written by him, like in his kind of tone, that kind of jokey, informal sort of, oh, you'll never guess what sort of tone. Um, yeah. But the police were never able to kind of fully say, right, this is definitely who it came from. So this letter had landed on the doorsteps and the neighbours were still concerned and kept asking the police to come back and check the house again. And they came back day after day to um, search the house and the garden, but they just didn't find anything that could have alerted them to where the family might be or where they might have gone or what might have happened to them. And more information was slowly coming to light about the last known sightings and movements of the family. So investigators discovered that the lease on the house had been terminated all of their bank accounts had been closed and the children's school had received a final payment settlement. Xavier had phoned Agnes's employer to inform them that she was suffering from gastroenteritis a couple of weeks before this, before they disappeared. Um, and two days later, the employer received a text saying that she'd been hospitalised and couldn't be contacted by phone. The following week, they'd had a letter terminating her employment and explaining that she was moving with her husband to Australia. Um, the neighbours also found that a message had been placed on their letterbox that just said, return or mail to sender, thank you. Okay. Which is a bit weird. As well. <laughs> they realised mm-hmm. that um, Arta hadn't been seen since the 1st of April, actually, um, when he'd left college, but he didn't turn up at the place where he worked, which is a pizzeria, to pick up his wages, which his boss said that was really weird because he always came on the 1st of the month to pick up his wages. The police discovered that Anne and Benoit hadn't turned up to school on the 4th of April due to illness and their friends were getting worried that they couldn't reach them at all so they've been texting them they've been trying to get in touch with them nothing but they had heard a rumor that they'd moved to australia so Mm. this australia thing was kind of starting to get around a bit so on the 3rd of april um there's kind of footage of xavier going out for dinner on his own with his son thomas thomas which was a a high-end restaurant in avril um just kind of outside Nantes. And some neighbours think that they saw Agnes on the 5th of April, uh, which is a Tuesday. And Thomas's friends say that he kind of hung out with them on the 5th of April in the afternoon. Um, and a bailiff also actually came to the house on the 5th of April for a €20,000 bill that hadn't been paid. But there was oh, no really? answer. Um, and neighbours said that that week they'd heard their two Labradors howling for two nights, but then they'd never heard them again. Mm-hmm. So that was that week. The next week... On the Monday, the 11th of April, Anne and Benoit's school, because they went to the same school, receives a letter signed by Xavier stating that Anne and Benoit would be leaving the school and the family will be moving to Australia due to urgent professional changes. Um, the Catholic school where Agnes works receives you know, the same letter, as mentioned earlier, signed by her, stating the same reason for leaving. And the headmaster can't reach her by telephone. So there's a picture of kind of what's been happening over the last few days starts to, to pull together. Um, and the police have, have still been going every single day to see if they could discover something, but just, they just couldn't find anything. Okay. So on Tuesday, the 19th of April, which is two weeks after the family had been seen, 
The police opened an efficient investigation into their disappearance because it was just weird. And when they did this, they discovered that Xavier had inherited a rifle from his dad, Bernard, when he died earlier in the year, as well as the fact that he'd um, got himself a, a, a firearms license and that he'd been making several visits to several DIY stores around the area, buying cement, shovels, hose, bin liners, a box of adhesive paving slabs, four 10 kilo bags of lime from oh. four different shops around the Nantes area. So on Thursday, the 21st of April, a wanted notice is issued for the whole family. Yep. Um, a press conference is held to announce this to the public that this is now really serious and they're really worried about them. However, during the press conference, the chief investigator who's hosting the press conference gets a phone call that forces him to stop the event. So at the same time as the press conference, investigators were searching the house and the garden again. And this time, yeah. under the terrace of the house, they, they started really focusing their look in there. And under there, they found the bodies of Agnes, Arthur, Anne and Benoit, along oh. with their two Labrador dogs. And in another grave, they found the body of Thomas. So according to the autopsies... Wow, so they were all dead. They were all dead. According to the autopsies, um, the victims were drugged and then shot dead with a twenty-two rifle as they yep. slept. Um, the prosecutor in Nantes said that um, he would allow the victims to be buried quite quickly. And this really kind of surprised people because it was quite an open investigation at the time. And actually, this kind of comes in a bit later on where people think that actually, are they the bodies of the family at all? Um, the fact that they kind of got rid of them so quickly. The family's funeral was held on the 28th of April at the Saint Felix Church in Nantes. Yeah. Um, and they, they were regular attendees at the church. Benoit was an altar boy there and 1,400 people attended the funeral. Um, but the big question was, yeah, where was Xavier? <laughs> because he wasn't under the house with the rest of the family. Yeah, he had not been seen for quite some time. So on the tenth of May, an international search warrant was issued to locate him um, in order to get a testimony from him in regards to the murders. So there had been several sightings of him up until this point. Uh-huh. Um, the 11th, 12th of April, he had been seen in Blagnac, which is near Toulouse in southern France. We've so gone quite a long way south, um, where he paid for his stay by yeah. credit card. Um, and then he left. And then the 12th to the 13th of April, he was at the Auberge de Cassin in Le Pontet in Vaucluse in southeast France under the false name of Mr. Laurent Xavier. And then he paid again by credit card. So he's not trying to hide his whereabouts massively. No. Um, he spent the night of the 13th and 14th of April in a hotel in La Seine-sur-Mer in Var in southeast France. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd lived there in the 1980s, actually. And a former girlfriend later came forward to say that he'd been in touch with her that evening. Um, they hadn't met up, but she kind of said, oh, he's been in touch with me. And then on the 14th of April, he withdraws 30 euros from an ATM in Rockbrun sur Argen. Uh, 30. 30, yeah. <laughs> um, and that evening, he sleeps in a Formula One hotel. The Ooh, nice Formula oh, yeah. One hotels. Yeah, classic. <laughs> I remember um, those. Mm, uh, where he's captured on surveillance film 
and that is the last known sighting of him. And um, that date was the fourteenth of April, two thousand and eleven. So that was before their bodies were even found. Now that area where he was last seen is particularly mountainous. There's a lot of cliffs. There's a lot of caves right. as well as the sea. Um, and the police focused on a 15-kilometre-wide search, including in 40 caves, um, but they didn't find anything. Um, and then on the 15th, he checked out of the hotel and okay. left his car there, and that was it. So the investigation into where he is has been running since 2011 and is still very yeah. much live. And oh, has led, really? And has led to more than 800 tips, um, as well as several searches that have led to dead ends. Wow, so it's still ongoing. Two years after he was last seen, um, an operation was conducted to try and find his body because they just assumed that he was dead by now. This led to a major okay. surf, search effort and investigators uh, did more kind of cave dives. They went, they searched the old Pichmartin lead mines in the Canet de Moray in Var. Um, and it was here that Jacques Massey and his family were found murdered in 1981. I don't know about mm, that, but, okay. maybe something else but I think it's like an, a place yeah. where people died. And on the it's 2nd of May... Like head. In, yeah. <laughs> threw yourself into a coal mine. And they had another search at the beginning of May um, into some more difficult and hard-to-access locations, but that was fruitless as well. So the, the prosecutor thinks that he, that Xavier Dupont de Lejeunet was a suspect and leads to the belief that he committed suicide um, right. and that if they find his body and there's no other suspect, then the investigation would just be closed by default. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in June 2013, a body was actually found 20 kilometres from where um, Xavier was last seen and they, they carried out an autopsy, but they didn't completely exclude the possibility of the body being that of him but they said that at that moment in time, there wasn't enough evidence to prove that it was him. So I think that it was inconclusive because, you know, his body had been around for a bit. But Oh, really? Well, it'd be two years that his body would have been like kind of out in the air. So, okay. All right. I don't know. Depends. But yeah, they couldn't say yes or no, but I think they are on the side of no, it probably wasn't him. Right. Okay. And then on the evening of Tuesday, the 28th of April, 2015, a walker discovered bones in a forest in Bagnol-en-Forêt near Frasius, where we've been, oh, on the south coast of France, uh, close That's to where... Southeast, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Close to where he was last seen. The police made a link with his disappearance and analysed what appeared to be a survival camp where there were loads of other things discovered, including a wallet, a lighter, some glasses, a sleeping bag, a magazine and a bill dating from 2011. Okay. There was, a, there was also a medical pin in the forearm, in the descendant's forearm bone. So if he'd like broken his wrist and mm -hmm. he had like pinned back together. But as far as the police were aware, Xavier had never had anything like that right, okay. done to him. But it's not impossible to say that that might have happened after he disappeared. I've, I've heard of cases before where they found like um, plates and pins uh, in remains and quite often they have a serial number printed on them. Uh, okay, well, that's handy. So they, uh, which, which is actually traceable to whoever it was that it was in, in put into. It depends what it was. If it was a plate... 
maybe that's one thing maybe it's just a couple of screws mm. maybe not so much but um, mm. i know okay. that charities make a lot of money from um the recycling of like hip joints and knee replacements really? and Ugh. things like that yeah because um <laughs> it's, it's a really common thing in charities where they um when people are cremated and they take those things and they kind of essentially recycle them and charities get given the donation from what what they make off those um wow parts basically so they I suppose they have to be cremated first and then so they would yeah. be subjected to an awful lot of heat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They sell them wow. on to melt back down okay. again and then uh yeah. Charities get a lot of money from it. The metal in them might be quite uh yeah. Things like titanium and stuff titanium, like that, which they use yeah. a lot now. It's worth a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So anyway, on the first of May twenty fifteen, um it was reported that the DNA that was obtained didn't match de Pont de Dijon. So they don't think it was him, but it was just some other man who they don't know who it is. <laughs> hmm. And then in mid July 2015, a non journalist received a photograph on the back of which is a handwritten note saying, I'm still alive. The picture shows two of the de Pont de Ligonnès children, Arthur, the beautiful oldest one, and Benoit, who was the youngest one, sitting at a kitchen table. And They've never found out who took it and who sent that picture. They've never been able to prove that it was or wasn't him. Um, so that's a bit crazy. And then on the 9th of January 2018, police raided um, a monastery in Rockbrun, Sir Argen, where the village where he was last seen, where he said in that Formula One. Yeah. Um, after several worshippers claimed that they'd seen him there. And they they searched around, but they didn't find him they think it was mistaken identity so that was um, in 2018 that was 2018 that's but like earlier, seven years after he yeah but earlier on they think that maybe he might have joined a monastery so that he could have um oh, okay. got some sort of kind of you know silent yeah. support for what he'd done but they couldn't find him and then on the 11th of october 2019 a man was arrested at glasgow airport after arriving from charles de gaulle um and following an advanced passenger information alert, Interpol had informed the French authorities that a passenger was booking onto this plane um, and he'd entered API details corresponding to a stolen French passport. So they suspected that the passport may have been used by Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. Okay. Um, and the French authorities planned to be there at the boarding gate. Um, but he made a last minute flight change um, instead of flying to Glasgow. And it was too late for them to kind of get there so they they did catch him when he got to, to Glasgow and fingerprinted him and checked him out and everything but then they discovered that it was not Xavier mm -hmm. um, but it was a 69 year old Portuguese guy who was visiting his wife in Danoon so and it was it was revealed that he'd reported his passport stolen into in 2014 but he'd ah. since acquired a valid replacement passport, <laughs> but he'd been travelling on that post passport. So that's right. kind of what happened then. Uh, so, okay. Genuine mistake. Genuine mistake. Yeah. So uh, some exciting leads, but nothing nothing that, you know, ever came to anything. Um, I think... It seems odd that he would kill all of his family. <sighs> so, I, I mean, well, it, it, so well. his sister um doubted the authenticity of the letter that he sent um and said mm -hmm. that 
he that she thinks that Xavier and his family left the United States because their safety was threatened in France. The bodies found under the patio can't be those of Agnes and the children. She believes that the information leaked to the media originates from sources with an interest in making the family disappear. Um, and the, uh, her husband was saying that, you know, we don't even know when these victims were killed. The autopsy points to the death being 10 to 21 days before their discovery. Um which we know would fit in with the time frame that the police kind of suggest, but it could be a lot longer. There could be anybody. Um, you know, the fact that the family weren't allowed to see the body, they didn't do any sort of kind of DNA on them. They just did an autopsy and buried them. Is that mm, a bit that weird, weird isn't it? that they're kind of just, you know, got rid of, rid of them? You know, the whole idea is that he killed his family and buried them and then ran off. And then there was somebody else that was saying that he couldn't have possibly been able to do it because he had a really bad back. And there's no way that he could have like crawled under this terrace and dug all these holes and move their bodies and get them in there. So, um, you know, and the family lawyer said, well, you know, the, the conclusion is that uh, nobody murdered them because they're not dead. So, <laughs> But they were somebody's bodies or were there any bodies? Uh, well, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Uh, I mean, may not so, have been and, any bodies at all. Well, they're saying that they found some bodies, but if it was part of some sort of massive cover-up, then maybe they didn't. His sister also said how difficult it would have been to bury five people under the terrace patio, you know? And she shows the photos, and you can see what it looks like. The space is only 1.2 metres high, so it's kind of like a balcony almost. It's like under a balcony. So he'd have right. been on his like, hands and knees without long tools, including the shovel and the, the hoe, just before the murder. So he wouldn't have been able to use those to dig the holes anyway. And there was no displaced earth found in the garden at all, in which case the perpetrator would have had to have used a tarpaulin and displaced five tonnes of earth by hand and left absolutely no trace of this. And then she claims that, he, you know, as I said, he had neck and back problems, that he wouldn't have been physically capable to do it. And the fact that they didn't find any sort of other hair or skin or blood, especially, you know, it would have been likely that whoever was digging this hole would have banged their head on the ceiling of this space quite a lot while they were doing it. So, yeah. Right. So police have received more than 900 reports from people who believe they spotted him. Um, most notably, there was one in a casino in um, nearest Le Bain, and police have been concentrating there, but they still don't know where he is. So wow. what happened? Where is he? Is he Oops. dead? Are the bodies they found really the bodies of the family? Did they or find it... any bodies at all? Did they find any bodies at all? Is it a big cover-up like he claimed? Have they just all moved to America? And beautiful Arta is still living happily, being beautiful. <laughs> in, not in America. Buried under the, in America, not buried under a patio. Hmm. There was something else around some sort of business dealings that he had in America. And like nice. contacts that he had that said that meant that basically it would have been really easy for them to have opened them up some new bank accounts and, you know, without a trace and helped them to disappear, essentially. So he had contacts if he was working in this kind of, you know, field with these drug dealers, the yeah. uh, that whole thing around his businesses was really weird. So it would probably not be unreasonable to think that he was doing some sort of kind of dodgy dealings. So, yeah. yeah. There's a, a bit of an un, unsolved mystery there then. Yes. And there is actually an episode mm. of this on Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> but it's all in all French. Right, okay. So if you watch it, you have to watch it with the subtitles. Right. Um, 
leaves a lot of questions, yeah. doesn't it? That so many well, questions. Just going back to the funeral, do we know if they were buried or were they yeah, they were buried. Mm, so possible. They could exhume possible them. scope for exhumation to. Um, I wonder why they haven't exhumed him. I guess you have to have real probable cause to exhume somebody, don't you? Like not knowing whose bodies they are. <laughs> yeah, but if one person says, well, I don't think that's their bodies, yeah. if there's no other evidence to say that, then you could say that to anybody about anybody, couldn't you? It just seemed the autopsy was, well, yeah, rushed. A lot of questions there. Maybe it is a huge cover-up. A lot of questions, yeah. Maybe it's just a, a drug thing. How much happens that we don't know about in the world? covering yeah. things up for people so if anyone from the dupont de legionnaire family is listening to us in america please <laughs> send us a message yeah arthur if you're listening wow okay very interesting story let's go with that he did kill them and bury them okay. under yeah. his patio area if that's the thing then where did he go because yeah. he just disappeared completely disappeared it, i think he probably he... killed himself if that well yeah that's that, in cases where people have got themselves into a lot of financial difficulty to the point where they have to kill the family they usually kill themselves as well yeah and that's kind of what it looks like here yeah. like things financially were not looking great and you know the theory of like occam's razor that the most obvious answer is probably the answer yeah i think that that's probably the case here so probably the fact that he was in financial difficulty. He ran out of money. He killed his family. He committed suicide. He just tried to yeah. cover it up to save some face, basically, rather than his yeah, yeah. family thinking that he... Because that still leaves him with like a tiny glimmer of, well, maybe they did just go to America. Maybe he didn't kill them all and bury them under the terrace. Can we just go through some of the key dates again? Yes. So they think they were last seen on around about the 5th of April. Yes, so there's some conflicting information around when Agnes was last seen. Um, some people think they saw her on the 7th, but the kind of last confirmed sightings of her were on the 5th, I think. Well, right. but some so some neighbours reported seeing her on the 5th, but she hadn't been at work for like two weeks before that. And the kids? Um, and the kids, so some of... So um, Arta hadn't been seen since the first, and Anne and Benoit hadn't been hadn't been seen since the third. And I think the police's general thinking is that he killed Agnes, Arta, Anne, and Benoit on the fourth, and then right. went out with Thomas on the fifth, took him out for a nice dinner, and then killed him on the sixth or the night of the fifth or early morning of the sixth. I think that's what he thinks is the. Um, that's what they think kind of has happened. The letter arrived. The 11th. And they discovered the bodies. On the 19th. Sorry, no, on the 21st, they discovered the bodies. It's an interesting timeline, isn't it? Yeah. And and I think reports of sightings of him are probably misleading. You can't really rely on any of them, can you? Because none of them have come to anything. No, no, not since, you know. The that, fact you know, kind credit of... card was used or we took 30 yeah 30 euros out of a and his and it, and it was his car and things like that you can kind of attribute that to him but and the yeah. fact that he just abandoned his car at that hotel and there's a lot of places to disappear around there if you want yeah. to very mysterious or have they just moved to america and they're just living a happy life and the new alias is in america we'll probably never know no not unless uh, someone comes forward to blow it wide open no or unless there's some confirmation that the bodies that were buried 
are actually theirs. It does seem like a massive, elaborate, very high-profile thing to, you know, kill all these people, for it to be all over the paper, all over the news. It just seems really high-profile for it to have been a cover-up. I'd have thought that that they'd have made it quite, you know, it'd have happened quieter. I don't know. Why go to the trouble which sounds like it was to bury these bodies where they were buried if you're then going to kill yourself yeah well because if you could support them yeah just disappear but the thing that's a bit weird is if he was spotted in all these places that's nowhere he's on his own that's nowhere near an airport that is not getting ready to go on an airport and a plane to fly to america is it i think that that whole thing would be much more plausible if he'd killed the family and then flown to america or He'd last been spotted in the UK on a plane, unless some sort of secret service picked him up from the Formula One in that place and took him off. Hmm. But that seems weird as well. But I don't know. The whole thing's really weird. Fascinating story. So the case is still open. Case is still open. uh, Yeah. So that is the story of the Dupont de Ligonnès family and what may or may not have happened to them. Yeah. Amazing story. Thank you ever so much for... For sharing that with me tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and if, as I said earlier, <laughs> well, if any of the family are listening, yeah, you never know. We won't tell anyone. Promise. No, <laughs> your secret is safe with us. <laughs> yeah, they can find us on Instagram at Dad and Daughter Do Death, or they could find us on Facebook, Dad and Daughter Do Death, or they could send us an email. They could indeed to dad and daughter do death at gmail.com. And uh, we wouldn't tell anybody. So, no, or, or any of the messaging services that Facebook yeah. and Instagram come with. <laughs> yes. Oh, and if they listen to this and they enjoyed it, they could uh, like it. They could leave us yeah. a review. They could subscribe and they could download us again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Never know who might listen to this podcast. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, join us again when once again, Dad and daughter do death.